Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim with Ed and Ray, and uh, joining us now is... Steve Paisley, Jordog. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, everybody. What's that design you're wearing right now, Steve? Uh, it's just a little floral pattern. Uh, I actually yeah. have a tie that's supposed to go with it, but um, I couldn't find it this morning. I think my dog borrowed it and forgot to return it. Your dog? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my dog. My dog borrows your ties. Yeah, well, <laughs> my dog thinks she's a uh, guard dog, and she likes to uh, dress the part. But um, she, I had to fire her. Because she couldn't hold her liquor. Man, oh, this man. is a really bad. Can we start the segment <laughs> over? I, I think he's been hanging around JJ too much. <laughs> Evidently, their office is not too far apart. Well, that that huh? kind of thing is contagious when you're yeah. around JJ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, obviously, the dog, the dog can't tie the tie by himself. So, you know, we get the cat. You have to, to help with We that. get the cat to get help. The cat to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ties. Uh, not, not not a lot of people wearing ties anymore. Have you noticed it, Ray? Have you noticed this? I got a big box full of ties. I'm looking at it. It's up on the shelf right now. Right. I used to wear them all the time. I probably Tim. I probably wear a tie maybe twice a year now. Yeah. Maybe. Well, somebody dies, or that's right. Or you have a. It's uh, never a good sign. If you see me in a tie, there's a dead person involved may- somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a wedding? Maybe a, a wedding. Maybe a wedding. Maybe a wedding. Right. Maybe a wedding. <laughs> Maybe a wedding. But, but grad, no more involved. graduations. Not wearing them to graduations right. anymore. So we're down to funerals and weddings. And, I, and, and, ties. and, I, and I'm sorry. I, I overreacted when you mentioned there's a dead person involved. Because as an Italian, I just immediately take offense because I feel like there's some kind of implication there's a- about the mob <laughs> or the mafia. A dead body involved. They said, listen. I I don't know what day it took place, Ray, but I have I have a I have a story. I have yeah. an alibi. You know, <laughs> I have an alibi. It's not personal. Uh, it's business. Good. Tell, uh, uh, you, know, you know something at, at post COVID. Uh, you know, you, you talk about <clears throat> dressing down. Mm-hmm. America just went. Uh, and I'm a casual person, <laughs> but I told our staff. I know. I I told our staff. I said, you know. It just basic. I, I said, you know, just basing by you guys' appearance here. <laughs> I said, it seems to me like anything short of pajamas is acceptable. That's right. Accepted here. Wear that. The office and, and just, I just think, clothes. We're just asking for clothes. Right. That's all. I know. <laughs> it's a minimal threshold now. That's huh? right. And clothes. people are going out in public in their PJs too now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But not here. We draw a line. <laughs> So, yeah, you don't but come the to pajamas don't, are for your bedroom right, or Walmart. Right, that's right. It. That's right. Bedroom or Walmart. Or, or, or Walmart. Don't come that's in Walmart. your slippers and your robe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Self respect. Uh, <laughs> now we do want to welcome the mo- the best dressed person in our studio right now. Yeah, I really came in at the wrong time. <laughs> I got dead bodies yeah, in yeah. Walmart <laughs> pajamas. Peter just walked in on mid- middle of our discussion there uh just Peter, because the generalization doesn't mean it's not real I mean, there's a reason that dead bodies let's move along yeah <laughs> this is taking a dark i turn. know right i didn't have anything to do with it uh 
Peter Rosenberger is uh, with us. Peter is host of Hope for the Caregiver, heard on American Family Radios. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. Central Time and is a native of, uh, I don't know about a native, but you I live in a, Montana. Yes. You we we, we don't wear a lot of ties. <laughs> yeah, Montana's not big on ties no, either. I haven't worn one in seven years. And, and I was actually, I was getting a special dispensation today from Ray because my picture, when I did blogs for American Family, uh, for the for the stand, I had to have a picture with a tie on. And it's an old picture that I kind of had to crop. And some friends of mine looked at it and they said, what happened? What? Is, what <laughs> who are you? <laughs> but you do have a suit coat on. Well, I, I mean, but, I, but you have a yeah. casual shirt it's, 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 and blue it's, jeans. Well, it's, it's a Sunday morning in Montana. It, it, right. Yeah, he's it's Orvis. He's, he's, I like it. Well, I, I, I wear my 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 dress denim today. Now, where do you live in Montana? <laughs> well, we live ten miles from a paved road. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, oh, that one. Yeah, so we that have one. where we the live. deer and the grizzly bears roam. Well, huh? I, and I I get a lot of people here at AFR that want to have a retreat out there, but I'm a concerned. <laughs> That they're not wanting to do it for spiritual reasons, but for hunting reasons, right? Well, that's and my I, son's talking right there. Well, and then they want to come up there with their all their firearms. Yeah. So I'm thinking I got a militia from Mississippi coming to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Mississippi's going to invade Montana. Montana is the most heavily armed state per capita in the country, so I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> By so, the way, if I mean if 20 people from Mississippi came up to Montana, that's a that's a significant po- uh, doubled the population. That's right. That's significant <laughs> our town. I'm just curious before we get into your work here in your radio program. I'm just curious. Uh, how did you get here? From how do you get from Mississippi? To, I mean, from Montana to Tupelo. It was, it was not easy. I had to fly to Atlanta, then to Memphis. You started in January, right? <laughs> I, did, I did. I actually, when I left yesterday, we have two feet of snow on the ground. Oh wow! And it in was, Billings, or where do you? I live? live. I live sixty miles southwest of Bozeman, but I live up in the mountains. Because Ray's son is a pastor in Montana. Where's your son a pastor? Missoula, Missoula. Well, that's yep. that's about four hours north of us. Yeah, okay. everything's four hours. Yeah. Away, right? <laughs> but the difference between Montana and and, and right. I, I grew, I was born and raised in South Carolina, and then I, we lived thirty five years in Nashville. Then we moved out to Montana several years ago. The difference between Montana and Tennessee, I found, is that uh, in Tennessee they think a hundred miles is a long ways, and Montana thinks a hundred years is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it, four hours is like nothing. nothing. Uh, I have two quick questions. Okay, again, right, hold is, on. I ask him how he got here first. From oh, where okay, to, good, from where good. to where to where? At Bozeman, Atlanta, Memphis, and then driving. You can fly from Bozeman directly to Atlanta. Yeah, you can fly Bozeman directly to Nashville. You just can't get to Memphis very easy. Okay. Okay, and then you got a rental car in Memphis. I got a rental car in Memphis, and you weren't carjacked. No, I, but again, congratulations. Well, in <laughs> right. Montana, we learn how to take care of ourselves. <laughs> so you that, might save time by flying into right. Nashville and driving I, I'm, rather than going to Atlanta and. Well, Memphis. I did get off the plane in Atlanta, and I realized I've been in Montana for a long time. Because first off, I saw more people in the first fifteen minutes than I see in the last fifteen months. Oh, the Atlanta airport probably has more and, people than Montana in a it, given day. And it was the humidity just hit me. Yeah, you know? it's 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 tough. I have I have just two quick questions. First one's very quick. Then the second one's kind of personal, Peter. I just need your help. All right, the first one is: Do you have Dollar General up in uh, Montana? We, we have them somewhere, but I have a Family Dollar that's closer. One of the things okay. I like about Dollar General, though, is that they're not as uppity as the folks at Walmart, <laughs> and, and so it's it's more down to earth. Yeah. Oh, he's a stand-up comedian. The dude. second question I have: This is now this is personal because you just said you live ten miles from a Eight. paved road. So I live. Uh, 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 down a gravel road, not as not that long, 
Do you wash your – how often do you wash your vehicle? Because it's like, okay, you're going to wash it. Then I go down a gravel road and it's dirty again. Well, I like it, in your bed. It, 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 I do actually wash it about twice a month, even in the wintertime, because sometimes when we have the thaw, you get mud splatters everywhere. Okay. And then So if I'm getting my wife in and out of the car and, – and I made the mistake, I have a white SUV. Yeah, yeah. Should have brought a brown one with the bug splatters already <laughs> on it. And uh, – so you do have to you have to just at least rinse it off, and yeah. I get a lot. And then then you get it caked up in your tires, and then you you get out of balance with your car. So you have yeah. to go through the car wash periodically just to get the mud out of that stuff. That's kind of like life, really. It's uh, that'll it, preach. You have to go through the car wash every once in a while. That's right. Or else you start shake your car starts shaking. I get. See what I'm saying? Balanced. Yeah. So. Asked and answered. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was that two questions? You get your two I'm questions. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm, I'm, fact, I'm gonna. So, I'm gonna go for lunch. I'm gonna take all, all, right. all, all my questions and answer. Two of those great mysteries in life. Yes, sir. Uh, the radio program host host. Uh, excuse me. Hope for the caregiver, which uh, has been on. How long have you been on AFR It'll now? Be five years this summer. Five years. Uh, uh, now, were we the first? Where Where were you doing radio before you came on with us? Well, I was on Music Row in Nashville with uh, an iHeart station. And um, and then I I was doing this, and then Jim and I started talking. Jim, Jim Stanley, Stanley, yeah. And um, I, I, <laughs> he he sometimes admits it, but he said, "Look, this is either going to be the greatest decision I've ever made, or it's going to crash and burn." <laughs> and right. we brought it on, and and so it's, it's usually popular with our listening audience. Yes, it is. Uh, hope for the caregiver because it's number one, uh, it's unusual. You don't usually have a radio program dedicated to just this one topic. Now, this topic is buried, obviously, uh, as you because you t- deal with different <clears throat> aspects of it every week. But <clears throat> uh, American uh, Americans are living long. Canadians too. I mean, you're near the border. We're living longer, <laughs> right? Well, uh, and, yeah, but and, it's and, not just the aging population. Okay. You've got special needs children. You got the mentally ill, which right now we seem to be having a, a ample supply of those issues affecting our society. We've got uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, any type of uh, chronic impairment. There's always a caregiver, and one of the things that we've done on the program is expand it to say we're not just dealing with nursing homes. Right, right. And and in my wife's case, she had a traumatic car accident 40 years ago, and here we are, 85 surgeries later, both legs amputated, and it, and she's got, she just had surgery last month. She's so you're got, a caretaker. I've been you? 37 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's why I look Primary the way I look. Care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, mean, don't, you look but, good, bro. Friends don't let friends caregive alone. This is right, what happens. Right, right, uh, right I'm right. 25 years old. Look at <laughs> I'm <Wow>. Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> look what it did to me. Hey, you, you are whatever you feel like you are, it, right? But uh, one of the things I love about what we do here on American Family Radio, this is one of the very few social issues that's affecting so many people, 65 million. Americans right now serving as a family caregiver. We're not playing defense with this issue. We're taking the fight into it and strengthening people in this. We are going on the offense and bringing, we're going in with confidence into whatever and speaking with clarity, the gospel in a way that people can understand. I speak fluent caregiver. Um, Peter, uh, everybody is probably at some point, if they live long enough or if their parents live long enough, going to be a caregiver. I think most people think of caregiving as, well, I have a disabled daughter or son or, in your case, a wife that, you know, and, and it's, like, not very common. But do you consider someone who has to spend a lot of time caring for an elderly parent, for example, as yes. a caregiver? If you love somebody, you're going to be one. If you live long enough, you're going to need one. 
It's that simple. This is going to affect every one of us. And then I go back again to the whole mental health issues. And, and think about what's going on in our society with mental health issues, with transgender issues, with all these kinds of things that are happening. People are coming apart at the seams, and there's always somebody, a family member, who's trying to keep it on the rails, whether it's an aging parent, whether it's somebody who's an alcoholic, whether it's a kid with autism or, in my case, trauma, my wife's trauma. There's always somebody dealing with it. How do we speak to this? How do we help them? What does safety look like to them? What does hope look like to them? What does the gospel look like in this situation? Might be a good idea to to start preparing for that uh, earlier. I think before I think, before you have to do it, right? Well, certainly don't build a three story home when you're in your fifties. Oh. Do you uh, do that? No. Okay. Because <laughs> you have know. to get people up and down. Well, yeah, or you may have to get up and down. Right. And and fifty year old knees are not what twenty year old knees are. Ray, Peter, you have you have really touched on a huge issue here, and I'm sitting here thinking about pastors and the local church. What should the local church? be doing? How can the local church help in this area of equipping uh, Christians to be good caregivers? Well, part of it is, is you, you preach a clear gospel and none of this um, uh, mealy mouth stuff that a lot of pulpits doing. And, and, and I say this in one of my books, it's, we, we hear a lot about victory and breakthroughs and abundant life, but do we hear a lot about perseverance, endurance, and fortitude? Jesus was very clear. You're going to have some really tough things in this world. It is a broken world. None of us are getting out of this thing alive. I mean, let's be frank. Right. I mean, it's, right. We're all right. born terminal. Yeah. And so we've got very, very painful things. And if we're not, what, what I feel like the big issue for caregivers is, is not that the task of caregiving. I mean, I can teach you how to give a shot. I can teach you how to deal with nursing homes, and I can teach you how to deal with doctors and insurance companies. Okay, you got it. The problem is, is the, the human condition. We, we become fearful. We become resentful. We become bitter. We become. De- we, we see our demandingness come out. There's nothing like taking care of somebody with severe disabilities for a couple of decades to expose the gunk that's in your soul. If we're not dealing with that, then it doesn't matter how good we are at dealing with the insurance companies or nursing homes or handicap accessibility and all that kind of stuff. How, how do you avoid – how do caregivers in the situations that you're describing – how do they avoid becoming hopeless and and despairing? Because I mean, I would imagine that the the, the weight of that responsibility could crush the life out of you, and you just have no hope that your life will ever be quote unquote normal. Well, my life is not normal, and it won't be normal, and that's okay because normal is overrated, and we are we are a peculiar people anyway. And I believe that if we don't speak with clarity of the gospel into this, there will be no hope. And I'm saying this from now almost 40 years of this. So what I do on the program is, again, I speak fluent caregiver. And I speak in a way they understand because I understand what the real issue is. The issue is not how to deal with an insurance company. That is not the issue. The issue is how do I deal with this resentment that is choking me out? And I start with the fact that if my wife has a Savior, I'm not that Savior. And I tell Mm -hmm. my audience, I said, look down at your hands. If you don't see nail prints, this ain't yours to fix. You have a different responsibility. And I look at stewardship and realize, okay, I cannot fix this. What is my role? And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, we're not mourning if we're raging. We're not mourning if we're despairing. And so what I'm helping folks do is unclench their fist. I'm a pianist. I can't play the piano with clenched fist. 
I can't serve my wife with clenched fists. I can't push a wheelchair with clenched fists. I deal with that resentment of this is not what I want. This is not what I want to be. I want to get through this so I can get on with my life. These are the things that we deal with as caregivers, and we're going to deal with them for a long time, but there's nothing in, nothing in, our, in my life that Scripture doesn't address. Not the specifics of amputations and 85 surgeries. I'm talking about the human condition of the despair. If you want to talk about despair and, and ugliness, go and look at what Scripture lays out in the Psalms, and Jeremiah does, and you see just this brokenness. And then what, is, what do they do? Jeremiah said, I remember the wormwood in the gall. And my soul is just cast down. But then I recall this to mind. Great is thy faithfulness. So the more we remind ourselves of these things and speak to ourselves. Remember David at Ziklag, when his own men were going to stone him because the Malachites had come and taken away everything. And they all picked, and everybody. And everybody. And they, they all picked up rocks. They're getting ready to stone him. And David did what? He encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that look like when you're in a situation like this? And I was <clears> sharing on the video I just did. When my wife gave up her right leg, in 91. She got hurt in 83. She gave up her right leg. She later said, I didn't know what was on the other side of that operating room door, but I knew who waited for me there. Wow. I'm, that and gives th- me chills. And then four years later, after giving up her left leg, I watched her come out of recovery, taking her to ICU. What, the right leg was already healed up. It's just a stump. The left leg was bloody and bandaged with the drainage tube. And she had her hands lifted and she's singing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When you encounter the risen Christ in your mess, you will grieve in these things, but you will not grieve as those who have no hope. This is the promise we have. We either believe Scripture or we don't. Mm. Talking to Peter Rosenberger. Peter is the host of uh, Hope for the Caregiver, which is heard each Saturday morning right here on American Family Radio. It's a one-hour show. And it's on from 7 to 8 o'clock Central Time right here on American Family Radio. By the way, if you want to listen to uh, Peter's past programs, he has a, we, we, if you, they're on our podcast uh, page. So if you go to, and he's got a lot of them, on, lots of programs. So uh, go, to, uh, go to AFR.net, AFR.net, and click on podcast, and then scroll. Uh, and it's one of the first ones you'll see uh, on there. Uh, you'll see the uh, the podcast for Hope for the Caregiver. Uh, so check that out on American Family Radio's website, AFR.net. Steve, did you have another question for? Well, no, I did, just a comment. I, I think I can see why his show is pretty popular. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's very unique. <laughs> good communicator and a good and a, such a needed message. Well, well it, it is. The pastors, this is, and I have a real heart. My dad's a pastor. What do we say to people? And sometimes we don't need to say anything. Sometimes we just need to show up. I, I, I talk about the three S's of this. You suit up. You put on the, the, the righteousness of Christ. and Nothing's going to stain it. It's not going to get on you. Just go in with the righteousness of Christ. You show up. You be there with your presence. Just be there, and you shut up. Suit up, show up, shut up. Just be with people. You're not going to, if Gracie's going into surgery, giving up her leg, you're not going to come up with the one piece of wisdom that she needed just before amputating her leg. She's got a back surgery coming up, a pretty big one, and she had a real big one last year. We don't need people to come up and give us answers, but we sure do need people to be with us in this and communicate the presence of God in this in ways that we can understand. Well, these things you're discussing really do – uh, expand beyond the borders of 
what people might use to describe what the program's about, because this is really, you're talking about the Christian life. It is. And and the things you've been sharing just here on this show would apply to all kinds of struggles in life, disappointments, frustrations, uh, because it's gospel-centered. It's the human condition, and the gospel speaks to the human condition. Mm. Well, listen, thank you, brother. Appreciate you being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to be had. What's your website? <laughs> Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. And is it Tupelo, Memphis, Memphis, Atlanta, Atlanta, uh, Bozeman, what? Bozeman Home? Dog sleds. Or <laughs> Actually, I think tomorrow I'm going to go back. Uh, I mean, no, this afternoon I leave today. I go back to Memphis and I fly to Minneapolis and then go to Bozeman that way. Okay. So I You're go to Tupelo. Yeah. Memphis, Minneapolis, Bozeman, and then I drive an hour and a half to get home. And how? Yikes. And then you said that you live how far from the highway? From Ten the paved miles. road. Ten miles from the paved road. And it's uh, <laughs> and we have uh, we have two feet of snow on the ground right now. Yikes! Good night. That's a, that's that's a country song right there. I live <laughs> eighty-five miles Ten from miles. Santa Fe. <laughs> Ten miles from the paved road. <laughs> All right, Steve, what do you have for us? I, in the time we're here remaining, I, I'm a little upset about this, and I want to call somebody out, call a couple of people out. Um, th- you know the Duggar family. We have beat Dr. Fauci to death. so <laughs> no. we're, we're, Poor fellow, we, you're not going to go on him again. Not going to be okay, him, okay. no. Um, so Jessa Duggar, who is one of the Duggars, the big family that's on TV and everything, uh, she was pregnant, but she had a miscarriage, and it, she, devastated by it, as you would imagine. Well, social media, because um, Jessa and it's her so family. Civil. <laughs> it's so civil. Yeah. And because Jessa and her family are pro-life, they are uh, saying that she didn't have a miscarriage. She actually had an abortion. The reason is because if, you're, if you have a miscarriage and your baby dies in the womb, they have to take the, the body out. Yes. And they use the same procedure DNC. that they would use in some abortions. And so... The people that are um, here, I, I've got one soul who says she didn't have a miscarriage. She had a DNC, which is also called an abortion. Um, she's got, uh, I've got a, a D- the Duggar who had an abortion wants you to know that her abortion wasn't an abortion and the rest of you are still murderers. This, these are, these are blue check people on Twitter that are, Piling misery on misery because they hate the the things of God so much. It's well, just tragic, and I can't I can't stand by and see it without calling it out. Well, th- these people are wicked because of their support for abortion. I do want to say though that that doesn't mean they are beyond the reach of God's love. Obviously, they can be reached with the love of God, but. We need to go into these kinds of battles with our eyes wide open because that's the kind of vitriol. That's the kind of – I mean, that's those are just lies. Those are lies. A miscarriage and a DNC, a follow-up DNC, is not the same as murdering an unborn child oh, in the womb. Exactly. And removing it. And they know that. And they know that. All right. Uh, Ray, thank you, my friend. For your... You bet. Thank you, Tim. Okay. Ed? Yes, sir. It. Steve? My pleasure. My um, thanks to uh, all our guests today and Brick Creeley, our producer, Chris Woodward. And appreciate you listening to the program, everybody. And again, our podcast, we have all our shows that we do 
here on American Family Radio. You can find them and re-listen to them. Uh, again, uh, if you want to, just go to our AFR.net, AFR.net, click on podcast. And there you go. You have access to a lot of good stuff. All right, we hope you have a wonderful Tuesday afternoon. We'll see you back here tomorrow.